0: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here on The Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We would love it if you would join us. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three is the number. We're gonna open up the phone lines and let you perhaps win a free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs. We'll tell you how you can do that as we play another round of Truth Bombs Trivia. Coming up next hour of the show, 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. So you can email the show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at show. If you are listening on Blaze Radio or later today on the podcast. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening on the podcast today, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that. Our good friend Bob Vanderplotz is going to join us. We're going to talk the immigration issue with him. And how come when we talk about compassion and justice with the immigration issue, that that tends to be a a one-sided conversation? <clears throat> we're going to give you an example of why that's a bad idea coming up a little bit later on. Uh yes, we will have some things to say about MLK Day today and the danger of trying to fit historical figures into your partisan political lens. It's a it's a double-edged sword, brother. It has a tendency to smack you as much as it does the intended target. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. You know, one of the things we love to do here on our show is partner with outstanding causes like back to Jerusalem, and they are based in communist China, and they believe nothing gives hope to a nation more than the source of hope, the word of God. But the problem is there's a lot of countries like China, Iran, uh, Somalia, et cetera, who don't want the word of God in their nations. They are what's called closed countries. And they do that because they don't want to give their people hope. They want to keep them oppressed. And that's why our friends at Back to Jerusalem, they've come up with a small version of the Bible. It's the actual Bible. It's just uh, small enough to to get behind enemy lines, so to speak. I guess you'd say it's kind of... Like a pill sized Bible. Everything is there though, from Genesis to Revelation. And they have a vision to get 10,000 of these into places like North Korea. If you want to help them realize that vision, uh, and what a, what's a more worthwhile cause? than spreading the word of God. BlazeHelp.org is the website. That's BlazeHelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And as you get set to watch Aaron's montage, realize that we are closer to the day than further away from it, that you may have to start smuggling some of those Bibles into the United States of America as well
2: what happened while we were away brought to you by journalism is magical and not at all broken We'll start with what happened on Friday. BuzzFeed News published a report which claimed the president of the United States directed his now former attorney, Michael Cohen, to commit perjury by lying to Congress about the president's business dealings in Russia. So, of course... And breaking news. We're following breaking news on what may be the most damning allegation
0: yet against President Trump that's fueling new talk of impeachment.
2: Another night, another bombshell. A potentially damaging new report from BuzzFeed. This is BuzzFeed Reporting.
3: Game-changing report.
4: BuzzFeed News is reporting the president personally instructed his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress.
1: He should be impeached immediately. He foresees, I think, impeachment coming. This is a completely impeachable offense. Impeachment.
0: Impeachment. Impeachment.
1: He should be impeached.
0: That is impeachable. President Trump must
5: either resign or be impeached.
2: This was like the Titanic coming at the iceberg. But then...
5: Breaking news. A spokesperson for the special counsel Robert
0: Mueller's office is disputing BuzzFeed's article. The special counsel has just come out with a
5: statement. I want to read it to you. Responding to BuzzFeed saying BuzzFeed's description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. Think
2: of the last time the special counsel issued a press release. I don't think that I can remember a time. Anyway, the Trump-Russia collusion story continues to be... Cool, bro. You catch the game last night. Excellent oh, yeah, playing. real great <laughs> game. Yeah, too bad by the last quarter. <laughs> yeah, that was too bad.
4: Real bummer. And <laughs> uh, yet
2: yeah, then with a little time left, we pulled
1: it out. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Only to lose it again in the last second. Such a disappointment. It
4: was a come
5: down. Only
1: to get it back. Best
5: day of my life. Only to lose it. Worst day of my life. Only
1: to get it back. A roller coaster of a game. Only to lose it again. <laughs> what a game. Here we go.
2: See you later. Bye. Cool, not game. damn. <laughs> Where, where that was no game last night. On Saturday, a video went viral of a group of male students who were at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., surrounding a Native American, harassing him and getting all up into his business. What a bunch of punks. Nathan Phillips was the Native American in that video. He went on CNN that same day to talk about the incident.
3: Fear, not for myself, but fear for the next generations. Fear where this country's going. Fear for those youths. Fear for their future. Fear for their souls, their spirit. their, their What they're going to do to this country. What they were doing wasn't making America great. It was just tearing down the fabric that was that the whole idea, the spirit of America, that wasn't it.
2: Except that's not the full story. Nathan Phillips is the Native American in the video who is clearly seen in another video being shot by the black Hebrews of Washington, D.C. who were hurling insults at the students for an hour before the incident in question, but that's another story, marching right up to the students and getting in the face of several of them. Of course, the one student and all the pictures of the incident had his name and personal information released to the world within hours of the video going viral. The group of students belong to Covington Catholic, a private school in Kentucky. There are so many other facets of the story that we just don't have time for right now. In other news, Donald Trump released his compromise with the Democrats for building a wall. Our plan includes the following.
3: Eight hundred million dollars in urgent humanitarian assistance. Eight
5: hundred and five million dollars for drug detection technology to help secure our ports of entry the plan includes 5.7 billion dollars for a strategic deployment
2: of physical barriers or a wall essentially we're giving temporary amnesty to hundreds of thousands of people here from disaster-stricken regions of the world in exchange for funding part of the wall so that's that's great some good news for a change on Saturday. The number one trending topic worldwide for quite a good chunk of the day was the hashtag expose Christian schools. Okay. Yeah, that was in response to Karen Pence uh, getting a teaching job at a Christian school. I'm sorry. Here's the actual good news.
3: Does it, does it matter that all taxpayers pay for her housing? All taxpayers pay for secret service protection? She, you know, it's not her fault that she needs protection. This is the world we live in. But all taxpayers pay for subsidized for life
2: does it matter so you mean does her first amendment do her first amendment freedoms get somehow curtailed because taxpayers pay for her accommodations and her security i don't know that a lot of people would sign on to that sorry again uh, here's the actual good news in response to ben sass's resolution against religious tests hawaii senator Mazie hirono called him alt right. right i'm sorry that's not the good news here's the good news Chris Pratt attends an anti-gay church with a history of child molestation and ex-gay therapy. Anyway, at the Women's March...
5: Anything from Medicare for All to ending the war in Yemen to standing up for free speech and our constitutional right to boycott divestment and sanctions in these United States of America.
2: That's noted radical Muslim Linda Sarsour talking about boycott, divestment, and sanctions. It's a popular policy position adopted by anti-Israel extremists. Again, that was at the Women's March. Also at the Women's March...
4: I'm Anna Perez reporting for Blaze TV, and we're at the Women's March today in
2: Washington, D.C. Everybody has different... uh you know, different political
5: views about everything. I think it's impossible to make everybody happy.
2: Is anti-Semitism a political view? Not necessarily a political view. I don't know if you would consider it a religious view. So it doesn't concern you at all? No, it's a movement. It's not about one person. It's about women standing together. Feminism and the women's movement comes is like Baskin and Robbins comes in thirty-one different flavors. If they want to break off, in and then anti-Semitism own... is a flavor? Um, no. And I I don't agree with what what's being done or is supposedly being done, but if they want to break off and form their own group, we're all women and we have to stay together. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less.
1: I'm, uh, I'm struggling with whether to be completely honest because it's the year of no BS, but that doesn't mean it's the year of no prudence. Either. And what you see in that montage is an escalation towards an outcome. And I'm, I'm struggling with whether this is the proper place or time to be truly honest about who's doing the escalating and and what the outcome is. Let me let, let me start with something that a friend of mine who works helped to lead the the uh, World's Missions Conference for a major Protestant denomination shared this anecdote with me a few years ago. Guys, he was uh stranded at LaGuardia because Everyone is stranded <laughs> at Laguardia. If you know the history of that airport, he was stranded at Laguardia, and uh, he sees uh, three uh, black men, and given the uh, given their skin tone and their um, the, their uh, accent, uh, these weren't African Americans. These were Africans, and they were lost. And he's got a few hours to kill because his flight's been delayed. So he thought he would practice this whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing. Went up, introduced himself uh, to these uh, African immigrants. And um, got to talking and and, uh, realized that they were three brothers from a closed country in Africa. On the closed kinds of countries we were just talking about, when we were promoting uh, the cause of back to Jerusalem, meaning they, you don't openly get to bring your Bibles in there, and uh, they they were part of an underground Christian church. I want to think, I want to say it was Nigeria was the country. Uh, they were part of an underground Chris, Christian church, and um, uh, they get they were were describing to my friend what they were doing. And you know that and, and they had gotten educated, they were learned, they were newly learning English. Um, and so he assumes that they are coming here uh, in order to learn because he does world's missions, and no country has been responsible for exporting missionaries. In fact, no entity other than the Christian church has been responsible for exporting more missionaries than the United States of America has in its history. And uh, so he, of course, assumed in his Western bias that these three African men had come here to get educated and we're now going to go back home to uh, their close country of Nigeria and try to bring the light of the gospel there. And he mentioned to them in this conversation, he said... uh, I'm moved. That's wonderful. How can I help you? I work with the world's mission conference. It's got to be Providence that we met up, you know? And all of a sudden he said, these three brothers became silent. And the two younger brothers were, were deferring to the older one about whether to speak up or whether to say anything or not. And the, the, uh, the older brother finally spoke up and uh, said, pardon me, sir. But, uh, Recently, our our church back home was showing a video of what's happening in American culture right now. And he challenged us as believers and he asked us, who will bring the light of the gospel to this dark land? We're here to do missionary work here. We came here. This is our mission field. My friend told me that story ten years ago. Think of where we were at culturally ten years ago. Think of where we're at now. It's like the process is quickening, isn't it? Indeed. It's like the pace of the deceleration is 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 rapidly getting swifter. It's at eleven. And I'm going to be honest with you about what I really think is happening. I'm just going to try to say it in a way that is the least kooky or crackpot. (laughs) But let me say this first. Even if I'm reading the signs of the times right, here's what it doesn't mean. That you stop enjoying the fruits of your labors. That you stop enjoying the freedoms and liberties that you still have. That the worker is not worthy of his hire, worthy of his wages. That, you know, uh, don't you know, I've got a senior in high school this year. I'm, I'm not going to cancel her graduation party. Uh, your princess is getting married. You know, um, even when God's people were in captivity, he insisted that they still... Enjoy life when the opportunity presented itself. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Okay, so we're not Millerites. If you know what, you're, if you know what theological, uh, you know, analogy I'm making. All right, we're not a cult, um, but we we can't ignore what is around us. In the past few days, we have watched. A major U.S. network posed the question on its panel whether the Second Lady of the United States should be denied her protection as a public servant because she's a Christian. That's really what they're saying. That's really the question John King is posing. We have had members of Congress, U.S. senators, one U.S. senator say to a federal judicial nominee, The dogma lives loudly within you, and therefore, you shouldn't hold public office. We had another U.S. senator say to the deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget that because he believes Jesus is the only son of the only God, he can't be a bean counter, the deputy bean counter. And then when he got promoted to the head job, a guy that used to work at National Review and now works at the Washington Post, said that he had, quote, problematic views of Muslims. Which, of course, Muslims have problematic views of Christians. I mean, if you believed Jesus was the son of God, why are you a Muslim? I mean, I would, uh, I would assume if you're Muslim, I would assume you think I'm worshiping a false god. Otherwise, you'd worship him too, right? If you thought I was worshiping the real god, you'd be worshiping next to me. So I'm not offended that you're condemning, that you believe I'm condemned. I don't, you know, but notice how this always just works one way. The hashtag expose Christian schools. I had somebody on my Facebook wall say, well, you know, this originated because of some alleged racist behavior. Um, even if that were true, it's not. But, but even if that were true, So what? We're going to impugn millions of people because a few people are racist thugs and brats that should have been spanked? I mean, imagine if you decided, you know, because uh, a couple of homosexuals behaved poorly, I'm going to start hashtag expose homosexuality. Uh, You'd be banned from every single social media uh, giant in the world for that. Imagine what would happen if you started hashtag expose Islam. Because, uh, you know, a few crazies have hijacked an otherwise peaceful religion, of course. No one would do it in that context. The Covington Catholic Boys and and the BuzzFeed story are the same story. Most people, though, won't see it that way. Even on our own political side, they won't. Because the political lines are entrenched now. And so all is political. Political is all. But they're the same story, folks. There's a bigger spiritual um event happening right now in your neighborhood in your country they're the same story the desire of the crowd outside of lot's house to have its way by hook or by crook the desire of the spirit of the age embodied in a government that burns down its own city and then frames the worldview that convicts it of its unrighteousness for it that's what's happening and then we had a columnist at The New York Times who's right a lot of times say that the remedy to this is that these kids don't uh, wear maga hats. What's next? Hey, you know, that that's the political version of, well, you know, you shouldn't dress that way if you don't want to get assaulted. No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. They're the same story. You, this isn't about liberals. This isn't about really even progressivism, which is the heresy of the age. What you're watching is how this always happens in a culture populated heavily or significantly, meaning maybe the numbers aren't aren't heavily populated, but the potential impact of those numbers is significant. Whenever there is a significant body of people uh, within a culture who worship the God of the Bible or desire to, no matter where they're at on the devotion schedule or, or, or devotion scale, no matter where they're at on the fealty or spiritual maturity level, the minute they say there's an authority higher than you, Caesar, this is always what happens. It always happens this way. It always starts this way. It's all the same arguments. It's all the same statements. It's all the same. We're just asking questions. It's all the same. There's nothing new under the sun. There's just new people and new technologies under the sun that have yet to face it. But, but we've been largely immune to this as American believers because we live in a country inspired by the teachings of the God of the Bible. Doesn't mean we've been perfect. Doesn't mean we have have not never had societal ills. That's one of the reasons why today we have a federal commemoration of a man who used the pulpit, by the way, as his means to combat the societal evil of his age. But it does mean we created a system and a process by which We can correct, future generations can correct the errors and confront the wrong and the blind spots of the previous ones. We can, in essence, on a civic level, not on a spiritual one or eternal level, but on a civic level, we can redeem ourselves. We don't want that anymore. We want validation. We want to be told, I can shake my fist at God and he won't condemn me because he's not there or he'll change for me or I can just make myself God. I can decide what the word of God says while calling you who have decided you don't get to decide you're the self-righteous ones as I behave self-righteously. This is going to get worse, much worse. I really believe, in the, and I believe this. That's why I put it in writing on my Facebook wall yesterday. I believe at the current pace we're on, within the next decade, if we don't see revival in America, or the Lord doesn't return, or call me home, I'm going to live to see in the next decade this become a closed country. We are rapidly approaching the Frond, the Archduke Ferdinand moment. I have been critical of plenty of people on my political side in in recent years for their behavior, but collectively they've shown more restraint than the other side has. That will only last so much longer. You can only provoke the people that have all the guns for so long before they eventually say, you know what, man, screw this noise, I've had it. That's history. We are a powder keg. We are a balkanized culture and most of America doesn't care about any of this and would be perfectly fine just living in ways we could accommodate one another because the economy is good and it's still the best place on earth to live. But the problem is there is a growing movement of people on the left who would rather undo this complacent civilization than cash the check. And they have recognized that the way to undo it is to confront and provoke people like us. And they dominate, even though they don't dominate in numbers, they dominate the influence sectors of the culture. They dominate the news coverage. Do you know what BuzzFeed does on a daily basis? No, you don't, because you're an average American who doesn't read it. Because you're an average American that doesn't really care about their rankings of androgynous bikini parlors. Uh, and uh, best anal bleaching techniques. People thought I was joking. I'm not making any of that stuff up, guys. That's what they do. Favorite trans porn stars. And we we interrupt our rankings of favorite trans porn stars, guys. Uh, We got the kill shot on Trump. No, you don't. You have nothing. They're going to feel increasingly emboldened to lie more to confront more, to step to us more. And eventually they will get the provocation they want because eventually human nature will say, screw this, I'm not taking it anymore. We are, as a body of believers in this country, we are no longer going to be immune from what has confronted believers in every time period and in every culture up until this one. We are heading towards a choose ye this day moment and everyone will choose. Some of your own friends and family will turn on you. The people that are on your Facebook pages right now telling you you're paranoid, they will be the ones that will lead those folks right to your front door and they'll stand out there on the sidewalk with a very disappointed look on on their faces while you're being led away. This is coming. It's always been coming. In many respects, it's actually the confrontation God has his people on this planet for this moment to testify to the truth. We're going to get called to the witness stand, not because we are voluntarily going, but because we're going to be compelled. We are going to be subpoenaed. You will be made to care. You will be made to choose. And all previous restraints, all previous rules of engagement all previous politenesses and niceties Todd will no longer be applied
4: so that begs the question who first uh revival comes with uh outside of the action of God those who uh, like Steve said who, who say yes bearing their cross leaving out from God who First, uh, I received a little pushback uh, uh, as a Catholic this weekend who while – I mean no one gets ahead of me in line of the excoriating uh, journalism is magical and not at all broken. All right, I, uh, But as a Catholic, uh, no one gets ahead of me in line either in keeping my own tribe there honest. Um, there, There is now an opportunity before the families of Covington Catholic to let the gospel out of its cage. Uh, they aren't complete victims of what happened. They can use this moment now to do the kind of thing that Steve is talking about. People are now saying, oh, I hope there's a lawsuit. I, I hope there's not. I hope that, I hope there's the narrow gate. I hope there's amazing grace. I hope it's the shot heard across the world.
1: Be prepared. You're going to be called. Every single one of you back in a moment you know if you have identity theft protection you probably think um i'm bulletproof but you're not because there's even if your identity cannot be stolen If your data is breached, people can still use that data on a secondary level uh, to come after you and really your most uh, valuable investment, uh, the most valuable investment most Americans will ever make. And that's their own home, particularly the equity in that home. Uh, Maybe you saw the headlines right before Christmas, uh, the Marriott through the Starwood hotel chain, a 500. Identity stolen via the Marriott Corporation's database because of a Starwood Hotels data breach. So even if you have identity theft protection, they still have your name, maybe the last four digits of your SOC, a middle initial, a checking account number, you know, the kinds of things that you would put in the system if you were doing bill pay or or, or other things to access public records about yourself that you would use to put in there to verify your identity. And nowadays, you know, your, your home's deed isn't you know, a huge file uh, at the county recorder's office or anything of that nature. It's actually online. And the FBI and a lot of uh, law enforcement have been looking into efforts that thieves are making to... access your home title to liquidate that equity. No, they're not going to pay the mortgage for you. They're going to liquidate the equity you've paid in. So when you go to cash in on your investment, that money is now gone. Don't let that happen to you. That's why you want to contact Home Title Lock. It's just pennies a day. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title. If they detect anything sinister or nefarious at all, they're on it to protect the equity in your home. And if you want to find out, has my home title been accessed or targeted already? They'll give you a free title scan and report today for being a part of our family here at The Blaze. They normally charge about a 100 bucks for somebody off the street who asked for that. But if you're part of our Blaze family, you'll get it for free today, right now. If you go to hometitlelock.com, that's hometitlelock.com. Bob Vander is here with us as he is most Mondays uh, from The Family Leader. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm
5: doing really well. Good to see you. And you'll be delighted to know, Steve, I started reading Truth Bombs and oh yeah and i ordered a whole box of them
1: i heard that book is is really not that good i've heard it's really good i shouldn't
5: say i've heard but what i've read so far is really really good i've heard the
1: author's a total canoe though well he is he
5: is but the reading is pretty good so i would say go ahead get (laughs) it i bought a box of them try to outdo me all
1: right well let me know what you think after you're done unless you don't like it then just don't say anything Oh, I'll tell you what okay. I think. Right. No, not, not even if you don't like it. Don't say anything. I'm I'm fragile. So the immigration issue is is front and center right now. Uh-huh. Right? And, and and later today on our roundtable, we're going to talk uh, on our plays roundtable about the compromise offer the president made over the weekend, the merits of that offer, the politics of it, et cetera. But, but the immigration issue is on the front burner right now. It's the number one issue in America. I I I didn't listen in, but I think you guys just brought a speaker in to your offices, right, to talk to your staff about this issue? Well,
5: not, not to our staff. What we did is we brought a speaker in uh, okay. who's from World Relief and wanted to visit with pastors and a core group of pastors who are especially— you know, wrestling with this immigration issue right here in the state of Iowa.
1: Yeah, well, we, because of the ag industry and uh, the meat processing and the migrant worker community oh, that, that exists in a state with uh, our demographics, this is a major issue in our state, of course, uh, as it is in every state, but some states more so than others. And it's interesting when we do talk about empathy or justice on this issue, it tends to be one-sided. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, listeners sent me a report that the NBC affiliate in Indianapolis did seven years ago, all right? But I bet you that things aren't any better than they were seven years ago. I want you to watch this report, Bob, and I want to get your reaction to it. Here it is.
3: We are not showing his
1: face, and he does not want you to know
3: his name. But this longtime tax consultant does want you to know what he's discovered.
0: There's not a doubt in my mind. There's huge fraud
3: taking place here. He came to 13 investigates to blow the whistle on a nationwide problem with a huge price tag.
0: We're talking about a multi-billion dollar fraud scheme here that is taking place.
3: The scheme involves illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrants who are filing tax returns. You see, everyone who earns money in the U.S. is required to pay taxes. The IRS says it's even required for those who are working here illegally. Of course, undocumented workers aren't supposed to have a social security number. So for them to pay taxes, the IRS created what's called an ITIN. It's an individual taxpayer identification number. While that may have seemed like a good idea, it's now backfiring in a big way. I think the public needs to know about this. This tax preparer says his office has been flooded by illegal workers who have figured out a loophole. It allows them to use their ITIN numbers to get huge refunds from the IRS. The loophole is called the Additional Child Tax Credit. It's meant to help working families who have children living at home. But 13 Investigates has found many undocumented workers claiming the tax credit for kids who live in Mexico. And we're talking lots of kids.
0: We've seen 10, 12 dependents, most times nieces and nephews, on these tax returns. The more you put on there, the more you get back.
3: Our whistleblower says he has thousands of examples. He showed us some of them after crossing out all identifying information on the tax returns.
0: We're getting an $11,000 refund on this tax return. We're claiming seven nieces and nephews. Here's a return right here. We've got a $10,300 refund, nine nieces and nephews. I can bring out stacks and stacks. It's just so easy. It's ridiculous.
3: This undocumented worker says it is easy. Mucho dinero. See? Mm -hmm. He agreed to talk with me and a translator as long as we didn't reveal his identity. He admitted his address is being used to file tax returns by four other undocumented workers who don't even live here. And what's more, those four workers claim 20 children live inside this one trailer home in southern Indiana. And as a result, the IRS sent the illegal immigrants tax refunds totaling $29,608. But we saw only one little girl who lives here. What about the 20 kids claimed as tax deductions? Hay 20 niños viviendo aquí. No, no viven aquí. Los otros niños pasan en su país de origen, que es México. Have those children ever lived here? No.
0: Y nunca han vivido aquí. No. Never. They've no. never lived
3: here. There are some people who say that they shouldn't be getting that money for children who don't live in the United States. If the,
0: if the opportunity is there and they can give it to him, why not take advantage of it?
3: Other undocumented workers in Indiana told me the same thing. Their families are also collecting tax refunds for children who do not live in this country. Have the children in Mexico ever lived here with you? No, no. All of those children are in Mexico? Yeah. While this may come as a surprise to you, the tax preparer says it should be no surprise to the government.
0: The IRS has to know
3: what is going on here the IRS does know what's going on 13 investigates has proof the agency has known about this problem for years and officials here at IRS headquarters have done absolutely nothing to stop it
0: the magnitude of the problem has grown exponentially
3: Russell George is the US Treasury Department's Inspector General for Tax Administration. His agency has repeatedly warned the IRS additional child tax credits are being abused by undocumented workers. These Inspector General audit reports show over the past decade the abuse has skyrocketed, now costing American taxpayers more than 4 billion dollars.
0: Keep in mind we're talking about 4 billion per year. It's very troubling.
3: He says even more troubling, the IRS has not taken action despite report after report from the Inspector General.
0: We have made recommendations to them as to how they could address this. And they have not taken sufficient action, in our view, to solve the problem.
3: What does the IRS have to say about all this? Well, I called and emailed for weeks. And I even went straight to IRS headquarters in Washington to get answers. but. The agency said none of its 100,000 employees had time to meet with me for an interview. Apparently, the IRS doesn't have time to respond to some tax preparers either. Last year, our whistleblower noticed dozens of undocumented workers had used phony documents and false income to claim tax credits. He reported all of it to the IRS.
0: These were fraudulent, 100% fraudulent tax returns.
3: And you told the IRS that? Yes. Any response from the IRS? Absolutely none. We never heard a thing. The IRS knows about this and they're letting it happen? Absolutely.
1: So that's from 2012. They said this had been going on for 10 years. So this would have been 2002, uh, during the Bush years, throughout the Obama years. $4 billion a year, let me put that number in perspective, that's about the total budget for the state of Iowa where you and I live, Bob.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
1: about a $4 billion state budget. You know, um, there's a lot of misuse of the scriptures when it comes to the immigration issue. A lot of people who find the moral teaching of the Bible unseemly suddenly want to take Leviticus out of context when it comes to this issue. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. So here's, a, here's Proverbs 6.30. Proverbs 6.30 says people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry I've seen that bandied about quite a bit a lot right Have you've probably seen that one mm-hmm. how about Proverbs 6.31 you've seen this one bandied about but if he is caught he will pay sevenfold he will give all the goods of his house have you seen Proverbs 631 bandied about it all? Not very much. No. See, so, you know, when these speakers come and they want to work over pastors and, uh, and, and Republican politicians on bleeding heart immigration issues, how many times does Proverbs 631 get quoted? Do you Not think? very often. So we all agree you shouldn't be angry at somebody that steals from you if you're angry or if they're hungry, right? Word of God says that, right? Word of God also says you pay back seven times in restitution what you took because you may be hungry, but you are still a what? A thief. A thief, yes. So why, why is the justice and compassion on this issue fairly one-sided? See, and I don't think
5: it should be. Matter of fact, I think if we do say it's one-sided, you know, we're missing the point. Because when I watch that story, I mean, first of all, I'm going, okay, so people here are here illegally, and we are surprised that they're taking advantage of the system.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. They're here already illegally, and now they're taking advantage of the system. Why? Because they've been taught to take advantage of the system. So yeah, we can be outraged at that. And I think it's righteous indignation to be outraged at that. The other thing we should be outraged at, though, you have a government that is advancing this. They're not doing anything about it. I mean, there should be righteous indignation as well. That's why I think even the speaker we had in here last week, it's about walking and chewing gum at the same time. Mm -hmm. Is it about border security? You bet it's about border security. Is it about knowing who's in and out of the country? Yes. Do you want to make sure that the bad people here aren't allowed to be here, but the people that we want benefiting the community are? Yes. Heck, Steve, the person you endorsed back in 2012, Newt Gingrich, I remember in his campaign speeches, him bringing this stuff up. Mm Mm-hmm. So you say it's been around a long time? Of course it's been around a long time. Here's a news outlet in Indiana, a neighboring state of ours. Well, what what does this news story look like in California? Mm -hmm. What does this news story look like in Texas? Mm -hmm. And so it is just a a complete gaming of the system that the government is basically being a co-conspirator with. Like, yes, we're, we're part of this as well. And so when we talk about drain the swamp, those were the words going through my head when I was watching this thing about drain the swamp. There's a perfect example of what it is about draining the swamp.
1: Can you see – so if if I'm upset at this issue, I'm not automatically a racist? Absolutely not. I'm not automatically a xenophobe? A few, a few years ago – But I
5: think – no, wait a minute. Go to, to go back here because this is what I'm talking about. You should be upset on – both sides. Sure. Both sides. I mean, if you're saying I'm just upset on this side, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm a, I'm a former high school principal. And so the deal about it, we never enforced the student handbook. We never did that. We never did that. And these kids kept taking advantage of it. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to hold their diplomas hostage because they did wrong and I never enforced it. Well, that's on me as well. We have a government that's an issue. So I think what Trump is saying about, you know, we need border security, we need basically comprehensive immigration reform it can be compassionate cuz we take 4.2 billion dollars away out of an economy in the in America for those of you who say I want I want to educate the children I want to solve the mental health crisis I want to do whatever it is that your your heart bleeds to do mm-hmm. you take 4.2 billion out of the equation
1: that's a big number so that story and I think it it was important to reset it from 7 years ago because it's stories like that that drove a lot of the angst that the president tapped into on this issue when he was a candidate that helped to get him elected. Right. Okay. And it's, and, and, and it drives a lot of the angst of his base that doesn't, that is, doesn't want him to cave, didn't want him to sign the continuing resolution before Christmas. That is all for the shutdown and things of that nature. So in light of that, how would you advise the president to now proceed as we go further into the longest shutdown in American history? And it's, Really the, really, the issue is it's because of him. you know. The Democrats just want to do whatever they can to, to to oppose him no matter what. But the current galvanizing point for them to do that is the immigration issue. So how would you advise them?
5: Well, first of all, I think what it is, I think you have a country, and I think his base even, screaming out for comprehensive immigration reform that includes border security. Everybody believes it includes border security. The Democrats who are opposing him on this understand you have to have border security. Now, whether that's a wall, whether that's through technology, I don't care what it is, but understand there's gotta be a system. And are walls effective? Of course they're effective. For any of us who have been to Israel, all you gotta do is take a look at Israel and you'll find out that the walls and the barriers and the technology to make sure who's in and out of Jerusalem is effective, of course it's effective that we can do that. But there's also a piece about here. This is happening right now inside this country about exposing it and making sure that we do have a penalty involved with this deal. Because if you can clean up this mess, not only do you take these tax drainers, but you could also have tax contributors. But you got to have a system that makes good common
1: sense. So why is it difficult to do this then?
5: Because right now I think you have two sides. Uh, And frankly – even though I might believe Donald Trump probably went too far with his negotiations with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, but I think he did it for one reason, knowing that they would not accept it.
1: Meaning you thought the, the offer he made over the weekend was too lenient.
5: Yeah, it was, I mean, to me, it didn't have enough teeth to it about, mm-hmm. it, yeah, we want comprehensive immigration reform, but it goes much deeper than starting to grant amnesty. I mean, mm-hmm. amnesty shouldn't be a piece of it as well. But he knew that Schumer and Pelosi were going to reject it. Because Why? All they want to do is take down Donald Trump. And right now they see the poll numbers, and the poll numbers right now show that more people blame him for the shutdown than them for the shutdown. So that's the game that they're playing. This is all gamemanship. This isn't leadership on any level. And so, therefore, you know, if you want comprehensive immigration reform – It starts by who are you sending to D.C. and are they serious about this? That's why I bring up Newt Gingrich in 2012 when he's running for president. He understood this issue, and here we are, 2019, and it's this issue on steroids.
1: Don't you think a lot of this could simply just be alleviated by we're going to create a new permanent guest worker immigration classification? um, And anybody who wants to take advantage of it can stay in the country if they prove they have valid employment and have created no further crimes other than the crime they committed by coming here. And and the restitution is you're not going to pay fines and penalties you probably can't afford to pay anyway. You're just not a citizen and you're never voting. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. how, how? Don't you think much of this could be alleviated, alleviated doing that?
5: There's a lot of common sense solutions just like that.
1: You know why they won't do that? Well, because the Democrats want a voter drive. Exactly. That's why they won't do it.
5: And, and so, as long as so as long as that system perpetuates the votes that I get on election yep. day, I'm going to keep that system in place. But I think it's similar exact- to the
1: abortion issue. The point that Todd's made: if you put up a bill that said we're going to ban all abortions except rape and incest, how many of the uh, will we need to protect women that have been guilty of rape and incest Democrats would vote for that? Not very many. Not many. So if yep. we put up an immigration issue that said we'll give you everything you want, everything you want, but they can never vote. They can stay, they can, anything you want, but the restitution is they never get to vote. Would they, I never, just, I just would they lost, take
5: that deal? I just, of, I just lost a voting block. Yep. Here's the thing though, is, uh, so it's easier, easy to point a finger. The other part of it is we had Republicans in control with the House and the Senate mm-hmm. and, and Trump being the president. And my question is, why weren't we pushing that stuff through then when because the,
1: we had the votes? Because the people writing the checks to the Republican Party want surf class workers. That's
5: well, so why. it's the same thing, Steve. When you talked about signing the first continuing uh, resolution, spending resolution, or budget resolution, what also was included in there? The $500 million that you bring up all the time about going to Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So to me, if these are real issues to us, go back to your truth bombs. If these are real issues to us, we had all three levers. You know, so now, and now we're pointing the finger at, at Schumer and Pelosi, and rightfully so. But the fact is, there was a time and space to do exactly what we're talking about doing right now, when we had the levers on our side. That's why I think Trump's base or anybody's base should be upset because what we're doing is we're completely gaming the system. This is not about leadership.
1: Bob Vanderplas, good to see, you, man. Thanks for joining us today. Good to see you. We'll come back. Hour two is next. We're going to open up the phone lines. Play another round of Truth Bombs trivia next year on the blaze stay tuned and we are back with hour two of the steep day show here on the blaze live and on demand We're going to give you a chance to win a free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs, coming up here in a matter of moments. 888-900-3393 is the number. If you want to play another round of Truth Bombs trivia, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Yes, we will be discussing MLK Day this hour and the slippery slope and danger Of trying to take historical figures and jam them into your contemporary tribalistic partisan political lens, it is indeed a double-edged sword. We'll be talking about that coming up as well. And, of course, when you have a day like today and you're commemorating someone who took uh, the freedom and liberty this country provides and used it, uh, to try to set aside a better legacy for the next generation. You know, we love to honor people who take courageous stances. And sometimes that courageous stance doesn't have to be, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, if the cause is just, but it doesn't have to be mass marches or things of that nature. Sometimes it can be some, as simple as, you know what, I'm going to jump online right now and I'm going to lend my voice to a worthy cause. Uh, Miss Victoria Hurst is asking for our Blaze audience's help in such an endeavor. Uh, She's trying to get the attention of really her own family. She is descended from uh, William Randolph Hearst. You've probably heard of of that individual. Uh, And, you know, one of the most famous, famous families in American history. One of their properties is Cosmopolitan Magazine. And Victoria is concerned that in recent years, Cosmopolitan has become increasingly graphic and adult, maybe even pornographic. And why are we marketing that kind of material to underage girls? So she's not necessarily trying to go for any kind of censorship or get her family's own magazine banned. She's just asking, you know, what if you guys want to do adult material, fine. But, you know, can we shield it and market it as adult material as we do other kinds of material? I mean, if we're going to, Take Cosmo from a fashion magazine to essentially, you know, uh, a gl- more glamorous version of Playboy, you know, we should treat it accordingly. If you agree that this is a worthwhile mission, go to CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. Uh, again, this isn't about censorship or anything of that nature. This is about. Just being a good corporate citizen, being responsible, and say, hey, if, if this is where we want to take our business in a free country, okay. But, you know, um, children ought to be protected, their innocence protected, uh, if that's the direction you want to go. If you agree, go to Cosmo Hurts Kids, all one word, CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, it is time for today's Truth Bomb, which is actually going to be another game of Truth Bomb trivia. That's right. We're going to have another contrived attempt to promote my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Number one all weekend long in political advocacy at Amazon.com. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. If you want to play Truth Bombs trivia, let's line it up. Right now, if you've not gotten a copy of your copy of Truth Bombs yet, it's available on Amazon. If you do have yours, if you've liked it, you want to leave us a five star review or any kind of positive review, we would appreciate uh, as many of those on Amazon as we can get as well. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. And you know what I just realized, Darren? My phone is have, on the
2: shelf over there. Do you have iMessage on your iPad? I do. Yes, and well, you can contact
1: work. me there. We have a very we have a very sophisticated yeah call screener set up here yep. uh, at the Steve Day Show. Aaron just texts me who's up next. 888-900-3393. If you don't yet have your copy, you've got a chance to win a free one by playing Truth Bombs Trivia. And we begin in Oklahoma with Matthew. Matthew, how are you, brother? Doing great, sir. So are you ready to play some Truth Bombs Trivia? I am. All right. So here's how this works. We're going to ask you who said this and give you multiple choices, and you're going to decide which one you think the answer is, okay? Here's the first one. Who said this? Here's a quote. Just as the prophets of the 8th century BC left their villages and carried their, thus saith the Lord, far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns, and just as the apostle Paul left his village of Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the far corners of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my own hometown like Paul. I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. End quote. Who said that? A. Augustine. B. Calvin. C. Luther or D. Martin Luther King Jr. Who said that, Matthew? D. Martin. Luther
2: D, King. G, did you
1: say Martin Luther King D. Jr.? You are correct. That is from letter from a Birmingham jail. You are correct. So Matthew, you stand hold. You get the first free copy that we're giving away today of my book Truth Bombs. If you want to be the next to say or to play who said it, 888-93393 is the number. 888-93393. That's that's a more direct gospel-oriented, theologically driven premise to to frame your argument than we typically see from depictions of Dr more so than Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. today. Uh, Are you part of hashtag expose all Christians, Steve?
2: (laughs) Apparently today we are. Yeah, Todd, I just want you to know, like that person on Twitter, I wish you would stop uh, cloaking, and, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., stop cloaking uh, your cowardice in the gospel. (laughs)
1: Let's go to Kathy in Texas next. Kathy, are you there with us today on The Blaze? Yes, I am. All right, you ready to play Who Said It for uh, some Truth Bombs trivia, Kathy?
0: Yes, sir, let's go.
1: All right, next quote. One has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all, end quote. Who said that? A, Martin Luther King Jr., B, Gandhi, C, Ronald Reagan, or D, Abraham Lincoln. Who do you think said that, Kathy?
0: Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, I think maybe maybe Abraham Lincoln.
1: It was not Abraham Lincoln. Although oh, it sounds like sorry. something he could have said, right? That's all right, yes. Kathy. Good try. All right, so next next man in, or woman for that matter, eight eight, eight, nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Who said the quote I just gave about obey just laws, but disobey unjust laws? In fact, you have a moral responsibility to not obey unjust laws. Who said that? Steve is next in Michigan. How are you, Steve?
0: Hey, Steve. How are you doing?
1: I'm better than I deserve, brother. Do you know the answer to the question? Who said it? Martin Luther King Jr., do you think said it? A. uh, Or is it B, Gandhi? C, Ronald Reagan? We already know it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Who said that, Steve? I'm going to stick with Martin Luther King Jr. It was Martin Luther King Jr., again, from Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Steve, you stand hold, we'll get you a free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Another interesting footnote there, Todd, where here is Martin Luther King Jr. openly saying that if government does something that God says is bad, you as a, as a as a Christian has a moral obligation to refuse to obey the government's yeah, command. This guy was a zealot,
4: man. Yeah,
2: Just- I, th- I, yeah I think he was getting it uh, confused with um, Second Hesitations 1411 where it says uh, when <laughs> government makes a law that is unjust, you write a blog for National Review that says stay in your lands. Ooh, that's going to sting. That's going to sting. True, though. True. All right,
1: next, 888 900 3393 is the number. Here is quote number three. We're playing Who Said It Here for some Truth Bombs trivia on the blaze. A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with that moral law. To put it in the terms of St. Thomas Aquinas, An unjust law is a human law that is not rooted in eternal law and natural law. Any law that uplifts human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. Who said that? A, John Calvin, B, Abraham Lincoln, C, Teddy Roosevelt, or D, Martin Luther King Jr. 888-933-93 is the number. Let's go to Rodney in North Carolina. Rodney. Who just said the quote that we just shared with you here on Truth Bombs Trivia? All right, we're going to Rodney in North Carolina is gone. Let's go to Pennsylvania next. Rob, do you know who said the quote that I just shared with you here on The Blaze? Robin, I'm sorry.
0: Hi, is it Martin Luther King?
1: It is Martin Luther King Jr. You are correct. That's another quote, Robin. You stand hold. We'll get you your information. We'll get you a free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs: Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believed to Our Own Demise. That is another direct quote from a Letter from a Birmingham Jail. So the first three questions all came from the same work. I have I have posted this today on my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show, uh, as well as on my Facebook wall. If you like us there, the the link to the entire. Um, letter from a Birmingham Jail is there. You should all read it. I will tell you this: um, any no work composed by a mere human has had more influence. Some have had as met as much, but no work composed by a mere human being has had more of an impact on my worldview and the way I've done this show and my and my political activism for the last several years than Letter from a Birmingham Jail does. And it would totally and completely blow up all of the leftist progressive narratives surrounding Martin Luther King Jr. Um, And what it would tell you is that, for example, what Kim Davis did in Kentucky a few years ago, if you want to know why I was so vociferously in favor of what she did and the way that she chose to do it, to disobey an unjust law that is right out of. Letter from a Birmingham Jail, and oh by the way, this isn't even really Martin Luther King Jr.'s hermeneutic. He quotes in the in the in, from uh, from the uh, from uh, Augustine. He be the most influential, pro- probably the most influential theologian in the first millennia of the Church, other than Paul himself. Um, he quotes from Saint Thomas Aquinas, which is where the notion and theory of of divine and natural law. Uh, or general revelation. A lot of it has its roots in church tradition, beginning with St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the reasons why we have a lot of Christian universities around the world that are called Aquinas. It's kind of one of the reasons why they they named it after him. You know, it's amazing, these random coincidences. So this really isn't even Martin Luther King Jr.'s hermeneutic. He's actually looking down through history, to see what history has revealed is worthy of practicing and conserving for this and future generations.
4: That's mind-blowing right there.
1: That is mind-blowing, isn't did it? Did you
4: use conserve, that the root conserve and MLK in the same sentence I right did.
1: There? I did. I <sighs> did. Now, speaking of education, let's go to this quote. Who said this? The function of education— is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically. Intelligence plus character. That is the goal of true education. Who said that? A, John Dewey, maybe the mastermind of America's current public education system. B, Thomas Jefferson, one of the pioneers of America's public education system in the colonial era. C, Martin Luther King Jr., or D, Ronald Reagan in the speech where he said he wanted to ban the Department of Education because it had lost its way. Which of these four men said, quote, the function of education is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically. Intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. Who said this? 888-900-3393 is the number. 888 900 Let's go to Glennon, Colorado. Glenn, do you know the answer to our latest Truth Bombs trivia question? Who said it?
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and say
1: Martin Luther King Jr. That is absolutely a quote. Yes. You guys notice there's a there's an oddly symmetrical pattern occurring here at the moment. Yes, that was from. Uh, way to go out on a limb there, Glenn. Appreciate you there taking that risk. Uh, you stand hold there in Colorado. We'll get you your information so we can ship you out a free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs. Confronting the lies conservatives believed or our own demise. Yes, that is Martin Luther King Jr.'s definition of true education. Who is that guy to judge, man? Yeah, come on. Yes, now, now we get to the not as fun part. Now we get to the double-edged sword part, and the danger of trying to micro-target and micro-fit historical figures. Into your current political tribalistic lens of trying to reverse engineer people into if they were here today, they'd be with me. Um, That can be seen through a mirror darkly. That can be a double edged sword. Because as we've seen in the first four quotes of Truth Bombs Trivia. This does not line up with much of the leftist narrative surrounding Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, does it? No. No. So that must mean, because everything's binary, all, all is binary, binary is all, all is tribalism, tribalism is all. So that must mean that Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican, that he was a conservative, and if he were alive today, he'd line up with us against the secular progressive left, right? It must mean that, right?
2: New conservative hero trademark.
1: I love when Aaron drops that, (laughs) by the way. So let's play truth bomb trivia one more time, shall we? This is question five. Who said this? Gandhi, as a Hindu, is an example of individuals who greatly reveal the working of the spirit of God who said this a Barack Obama B Martin Luther King jr. C Bill Clinton or D Donald Trump who said this 888 933 888 let's go to Indiana Debbie you are live with us today on the blaze how are you Deb
0: I'm fine thanks how are you
1: uh, better than I deserve, could be better, could be a lot <laughs> worse, if you know what I'm saying, right? Okay. So, yes, I know what you're uh, saying. So the, the quote we just gave you, who mm-hmm. do you think said it? Which of the options said that quote about Gandhi?
0: Now, I really hope you're not messing me up on the fifth question, but I'm going to go okay. with Martin Luther King Jr.
1: That is correct. Yeah. It was Martin Luther King Jr. That is correct. So you stay on hold there, Debbie. You get the final free copy of Truth Moms Trivia, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe. That's my new book. You win the final question and get the the final free copy of my new book. Thanks for tuning in today, Debbie. We appreciate you, okay? God bless. Now, some context to this. I've said before, I believe in the sovereignty of God. That means I believe in the sovereignty of God. That, you know, God gets his will. I also don't believe in the character of God. I mean, we started off the show today promoting a cause that wants to spread what? What's it want to spread around the world? The Bible. The word of God. Right. The word of God. Um, why would we be interested in spreading the word of a God who does not keep his word? So... You know, going back to the Aquinas reference. Do I believe God can use through um, what's sometimes theologically known as common grace or general revelation, that God can use unregenerate, unrepentant people, even people from false religions who worship false gods, to accomplish his will? Well, as Luther once once pointed out in one of his sermons, God chose to speak out of the back of a donkey's ass once. He can choose to speak out of, out of mine. Okay? So the answer to that question is yes. But when we use, and, I, and I, I capitalized that on purpose because he capitalized it. Reverend King did. The capitalized use of the Spirit of God traditionally in theological writings, and this comes from a theological writing. You know where I got this from? I actually read um, Reverend King's theological treatise in, in seminary. This sort of direct capitalized reference of the Spirit of God, traditionally in the Judeo-Christian tradition, has been for those with that literally have in the Old Testament the Spirit of the Lord came upon prophets who did who did the divine will, who the Holy Spirit indwelt them, or. You know, like the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign God is upon me, typically in that sort of a reference. Or in the New Testament era now, if you're a Christian, you believe that the universal body of believers, the Holy Spirit, comes to, just, comes to live in now the body and, and collectively and us as individuals. When I read, you know, Martin Luther King Jr.'s seminary treatise, I was troubled by several things that I read. Because they would be considered, according to men like Augustine and Aquinas, particularly when you get into apologetics, and that was Augustine's, one of his major areas. They would be unorthodox to wrong. Um, He doubts the divinity of Jesus. He sort of describes maybe when the book—remember the book The Shack? Yeah. And— One of the things in the book, The Shack, The Shack teaches a heresy known as modalism. It's a great book, by the way. Phenomenal read. And if it doesn't break you emotionally, then you just, you know, you're Vulcan. You don't have a heart. It also teaches a heresy called modalism. And you can see that in the way it describes the Trinity when they say, we became Jesus. We became the Holy Spirit. That's the idea that... Modalism is the idea that the Trinity is like is like water. That water can be a solid substance, it can be a vapor uh, or a gas, or it can be uh, liquid. Now that sounds reasonable, right? Except the Trinity actually says that that God is all three of these persons at all times for all time.
2: John one one.
1: Yeah, not at a time. Can water be a liquid and a vapor at the same time? No, no it's in one of those states or another. It's a, in other words, it's in one of those modes, hence modalism. It's in one of those modes or another. But water is not a liquid and a vapor at the same time. It's not frozen and, and a vapor at the same time. So that's actually, it, it, can, it can be all three of those modes at a time, but it cannot be all three at the same time. And and there's some of that sort of style of teaching in his seminary treatise. Uh, there's also references to uh, his concern about fundamentalism. And he even goes so far as to say that he he is concerned that rigid fundamentalism will not adjust the gospel for the changing times in which we live. Now, that, there actually can be some truth to that without being a heretic. You know, I've run in... I mean, Billy Sunday was criticized for going on the radio because that, that was the devil's... That was the devil's play thing. And Billy Graham was criticized for going on television because, you know, that was the devil's box. And I've been told by people I should never watch rated R movies because that's un- Christian. So that means like Schindler's List. Passion was rated... Uh, what was the passion rated? I think R. Yeah, rated R. Okay. So... In a certain context, what he is saying could be true. He never really fleshes this statement out, okay? But if we're saying, but, you know, this is also where a Christian artist may get a gig. Just let me throw that a, let me throw out a theoretical. Very popular young Christian music artist has crossover uh, popularity into mainstream music. And because of that, she gets invited like on, let's say, a really famous talk show. Just kind of spitballing here. And the person who hosts the show is, is really a sweetheart, it hosts a great show, impossible not to like, but she openly also lives in a way that God doesn't desire for his creation to live. And, and, and so while she's in the middle of being a sweetheart and nice and kind and, and entertaining, she wants to know if you'll validate her and the way she lives. And she'll put it to you point blank. Again, just hypothetically speaking, this can happen, theoretically. You know, it could happen, right? It could
4: happen. Spitballing Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and said young Christian music artist then feels pressure. You know, well, you know, this is such a nice woman. This is such a good person. She gives so much money to charity. She's promoting me and, and my Christian music. So maybe that means God's changed his mind about this. And I need to evolve with the times in which we live. Because who would want to be on the wrong side of such a sweet of such a sweetheart? Right? Something like that could happen. That we so d- depending on how you look at it. I mean, I enrage fundamentalists all the time. I enrage the you know. Some, I'm by the way, I believe in fundamentalism. I'm you know. I just meaning that I believe in uh, preserving the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Man, this is a football. Yes, but I also believe in putting the fun in fundamentalism. You know, you're the people that you know. Every time sex comes up, even if I use anatomically correct terms, you lose your poo. Let me tell you what fundamentalism looks like. Fundamentalism looks like, you know, um, this guy who got banned from CPAC for promoting pederasty lines up with my worldly political view. So I'm going to bring him on my nationally syndicated radio show. I'm not saying any of this happened. Just kind of theoretically spitballing what it might look like if it did. So I'm going to bring this guy on my nationally syndicated radio show. Again, this is a guy who promotes pederasty. What's pederasty? It's the ancient practice of homosexual adult males luring teenage boys and grooming them to become adult Homosexual males with them. I mean, this goes back to the Greco-Roman era. It was replete in the Bedouin era. It was, in fact, a movie about it was just nominated for an Academy Award last year. Call Me by My Name or something wasn't that? I believe the movie is about heterosexism. Sure. My right? church,
4: the church I love, is kind of kicking it around the can a little these days.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so this guy gets banned from CPAC. Let's just say he got banned from like a prominent conference like a CPAC because videos, you know, emerged of him promoting pederasty and not like 10 years ago, but like a month ago. You're just asking questions. I'm just saying spitball that might happen. And then you decide, because he lines it with my political tribalistic views, I'm going to bring him on my nationally syndicated radio show and validate a guy who promotes pederasty. And when he's on my show, I'm never going to confront the fact he promotes pederasty but I am going to explain to him that I was really uncomfortable with the amount of F-bombs in the book that we're talking about. That'd be an example of fundamentalism. That's, that's strain in the gnat to swallow the camel. Yeah. That's you tithe on every ounce of dill, cumin, and spice, uh, yet you reject mercy. You, you've, you did the letter of the law for the, at, the, at the expense of... Doing the letter of the law is not a bad thing. It is, though, when you do it at the expense of the spirit of the law. Like, I'm I'm pretty confident looking at the hierarchy of God's law. He doesn't like the manuscript full of F-bombs, but probably he'd prefer we address the whole pederasty thing before we worked our way down the list of that, right?
2: If that ever happened, that would be a good example. Yeah, if it
1: happened. If it happened. And if the other example I meant about a prominent Christian singer who gets on a popular show hosted by a lesbian woman, like, if that ever happened. Again, I'm just kind of, we're doing this in real time, you know, and so... I know these seem like fantastical examples, and they probably are. I'm kind of spitballing here, you know, off the top of my head, just to kind of come up with some extreme examples you never know of the, what can happen out there, just to kind of reinforce the point I'm trying to make. You
4: never know where the slippery slope is going to go, Steve. Indeed. You just got to yeah. be prepared.
1: Yes, yes. So he doesn't really, doc, back to the point, Dr. King doesn't really flesh out specifically if his concern about fundamentalism is the former, meaning we're straining gnats to swallow camels here, or the latter, which is, yeah, we should just change God's word because when the, when the culture changes its mind about what it thinks about it. And in and, and perfect fairness to him, historically, he's living in the South where a lot of whites who would call themselves fundamentalists, you know, had no problem watching people that look like him get lynched in high-pressured water hosed, so I so there could not could you wouldn't wouldn't blame a guy on some extent for having a cultural reflexive action to uh I even hear the term and I get a rash okay so we don't know the point is if you comb through doctor king's works and you are looking for justification or a hero for a progressive theological bent you're going to find you're going to find plenty of examples of it i did researching it over the weekend so be very careful in hindsight in trying, to, in trying to squeeze historical figures and hold them up to be contemporary political icons for my tribalism today. I'm going to give you an example that will blow you away when we come back. That's a tease. You don't want to miss this. Okay. Stay tuned, more to come here on the blaze. Next. Hey, let me ask you a personal question. When was the last time you got your your ears professionally cleaned? I know it would save us some money on some equipment around here, frankly. It probably saves Aaron on some of the stress level as well. And, you know, this time of year, earaches are plentiful. Sometimes those things are there because um, we aren't cleaning them well enough. You know, the the whole cotton swab thing, which now you're not supposed to apparently use them on your kids because it may damage their eardrums or something. Let me give you a solution. Uh, it's called Wax RX. They use physician developed technology that safely and effectively removes ear wax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH conditioned formula, and now you can get Wax RX without a prescription. No more expensive trips to the doctor, no more wasted time using those cotton swabs or other solutions that don't really solve anything. Try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's all one word. usewaxrx.com. And then while there, use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. That's usewaxrx.com. usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. So here's the danger or the risk for every side of America's current political divide and taking historical figures and attempting to make them your present day political icons. Human nature is more complicated than that. Martin Luther King Jr. Was a great man. He was not a perfect man. He had failings in his private life. We know about, for example, his theology wasn't always orthodox at the same time. If you look at the theme of a lot of his speeches, a lot of them are a lot of those are themes sourced in quoting directly right out of the founding documents. That a lot of progressives that consider him an icon would have would, would prefer the country like Beto O'Rourke recently said. You know, we we got to move away from that kind of stuff. That doesn't work, doesn't work for us anymore. You know, I've often wondered if if he if he had lived out his life, what, what things would have been different in America. I think, for example, we'd have a we'd have an even bigger government. I think we would have gotten to Medicare for all and single payer. I think we would have done the things that we're debating and doing now. I think we would have done them sooner, because I think he would have lent his very prominent voice to these kinds of causes. I also think it's less likely we would have ever had Roe versus Wade. The unborn is referred to several times in Dr. King' his, his talks, his speeches, etc. So. Again, I think probably one side of America's political divide would have really enjoyed what he had to say and another side of America's political divide probably wouldn't. I think human nature is more complicated than uh, you know my partisan meme of the day. Let me give you an example. This is out of my new book, Truth Bombs. I want to read something to you. Guess who wrote every word I'm about to share with you? The question of abortion confronts me in several different ways. First, although I do not profess to be a biologist, I have studied biology and know something about life from the point of view of the natural sciences. Second, I am a minister of the gospel and therefore feel that abortion has a religious and moral dimension that I must consider. Third, I was born out of wedlock and against the advice that my mother received from her doctor. And therefore, abortion is a personal issue for me as well. From my perspective, human life is the highest good. And God is the supreme good because he is the giver of life. That is my philosophy. Everything I do proceeds from that religious and philosophical premise. Therefore, life is the highest human good because life is sacred. Biologically speaking, thousands of male sperms are ejaculated into the female reproductive tract during sexual intercourse But only once in a while do the egg and sperm bring about fertilization Some call that connection accidental, but I choose to call it providential It takes three to make a baby a man a woman and the holy spirit Human beings cannot give or create life by themselves. It is really a gift from god Therefore, one does not have the right to take away through abortion that which he does not have the ability to give. Some of the most dangerous arguments for abortion stem from popular judgments about life's ultimate meaning. But the logical conclusion of their position is never pursued. Some people may unconsciously operate their lives as if pleasure is life's highest good and pain and suffering man's greatest enemy. That position, if followed to its logical conclusion, means that which prohibits pleasure should be done away with by whatever means are necessary. By the same rationale, whatever means are necessary should be used to prevent suffering and pain. My position is not to negate pleasure nor elevate suffering, but merely to argue against their being elevated to an ultimate end of life. Because if they are so elevated, anything, including murder and genocide, can be carried out in their name. Psychiatrists, social workers, and doctors often argue for abortion on the basis that the child will grow up mentally and emotionally scarred. But who who of us is complete? If incompleteness were the criteria for taking life, we would all be dead. If you can justify abortion on the basis of emotional incompleteness, then your logic could also lead you to killing for other forms of incompleteness, blindness, crippleness, old age. There are those who argue that the right to privacy is of a higher order than the right to life. I do not share that view either. I believe that life is not private, but rather it is public and universal. If one accepts the position that life is private, and therefore you have the right to do with it as you will please, one must also accept the conclusion of that argument. That was the premise of slavery. You could not protest the existence or treatment of slaves on the plantation because that was private and therefore outside of your right to be concerned. Another area that concerns me greatly, namely because I know how it's been used with regard to race, is the psycholinguistics involved in this whole issue of abortion. If something can be dehumanized through the rhetoric used to describe it, then the major battle has been won. This is why the Constitution called us three-fifths human, and then whites further dehumanize us by calling us N-bombs. It was part of the dehumanizing process. The first step was to distort the image of us as human beings in order to justify that which they wanted to do and not even feel like they had done anything wrong. Those advocates of taking life prior to birth do not call it killing or murder. They call it abortion. They further never talk about aborting a baby because that would imply something human. Rather, they talk about aborting the fetus. Fetus sounds less than human and therefore can be justified. It is that question, the question of our attitude, our value system, and our mindset with regard to the nature and worth of life itself, that is the central question confronting mankind. Failure to answer that question affirmatively may leave us with a hell right here on earth. Would you like to know who wrote those words? If, if I remember
4: it correctly, and I... I haven't read it since I edited it, but this was one of the biggest mind-blowing aspects of your entire book for me, if I'm remembering the answer to this correctly.
1: Jesse Jackson wrote those words. I
4: remembered it correctly.
1: Every one of those words I just shared with you, Jesse Jackson wrote. That's maybe the finest pro-life apologetic, and I've written a few myself. Couldn't hold that one's jockstrap. That's the best I've ever read.
2: Straight up philosophy.
1: Yep. Wrote it for a pro life journal in 1979. And yes, that's one of the 100 plus footnotes. At the end, the final 10 pages of Truth Bombs are all footnotes so that no one has an excuse. That's a mic drop, yo. So, what happened? Well, if you begin, you know, this goes full circle to what we discussed with Aaron's montage at the top of the show. And I used a biblical citation in that response when I referenced Joshua's challenge to choose ye this day. Now, what's the, what's the context of that challenge, of the book of Joshua? The Jewish people are... are about to fulfill their basically their manifest destiny they are about to fulfill going into the promised land that god had promised them for centuries and now become the people that would be a light to all nations holy and set apart to show what communion with the only true living god really looks like and the blessing that goes along with that relationship but they're struggling in their ranks As they have been going, as they've essentially been cleansing the Holy Land, they have encountered foreign cultures, foreign gods, demons, really. And some of the doctrines of these demons are attractive. Do what you want with whoever you want. It's okay. And they're struggling. Some in their ranks would prefer because it's more sensual. It's the life they prefer to live. Apart from God's accountability, they would prefer to go with these foreign gods, these demons. And Joshua just puts it to him as the leader of the people and says, if Baal is God, meaning, and he was really the central demonic foreign God figure in Canaan at that time. Um, If Baal is God, if, if the demons are God, go and serve them. If God is God, you need to come and serve him. As for me and my house, we will set the example. We will serve the Lord, the one true God. Without whom we'd all still be slaves in Egypt. This is the challenge before us as a people today. It has been the challenge before all people in every day. Who are we accountable to? Are we accountable at all? That's the question. See, in some of his theological writings, by taking not a progressive cultural view, but a progressive theological one, by posing any context of the question at all, that God's word needs to be changed based on what the human spirit of the age is. Even at a young age, in that theological treatise, which by the way, I, I read a really good breakdown of it from the Gospel Coalition who really did a good critical analysis of it back in 2014. Now they're doing social justice warrior conferences. And, you know, Christian theologians are changing their Christian names to some African name so they can sound wokey. That's what's going on over at the Gospel. I have that right, right, Aaron? Pretty much, yep. Yeah, I, I can. I, I'd be really surprised if... The gospel coalition today republished their their legitimate criticisms of some of Reverend King's theological views that just wouldn't, you know, fit our racial reconciliation narrative. Which again is an indication that you don't believe God is the authority. Every time I don't treat my family, my wife and children the way God commands me to, whether that be failure when I fail to hold the line of discipline or when I fail to practice mercy. I am making the conscious choice. I am God and he is not. Every time every one of you watching me or listening to me right now make a decision to do something different than what you can call that word, an error, immorality, sin, whatever you want to call the word, whatever word you want to use. Every time we make this conscious choice, we are saying, I am God. I will do what I want to do. That's what we're saying. So when you begin to question as a Christian minister, whether or not Jesus is God, you are really questioning whether Jesus is the authority figure or not. Once you begin to to pose that question, you then will relegate him to, uh, he's not He's, he is not the God of the universe bleeding out for the sins of mankind. Maybe he was a, was a cultural revolutionary. Maybe he was the first woke. Maybe he was a social justice warrior. And that's why they killed him is because they didn't want to reform human society uh, according to love of the brethren and the goal. You see where I'm going with this? Indeed. Yeah. And you start out, you know, you're one of Reverend King's right-hand men in Jesse Jackson. You're there when, on that balcony when he's shot by James Earl Ray. And so in 1979, you're writing, hey, this is against God's authority. We can't be killing children like this. And you're using all the same arguments for killing these children that were used for enslaving my ancestors. By the time we get to 1989, you're like, I don't know, I, I, I kind of like sleeping with other women. And I want to run for the Democratic nomination for president. By the time we get to 1999, I've got multiple kids out of wedlock. Rainbow coalition really means rainbow jihad now. doesn't really mean, you know, a universal body of believers. It just means a universal body of people who agree with, you know, my current political. And we just continue the devolution because long ago, you made the choice. You are God. And God is not God. And that is the choice we all make. That is the choice we are all capable of making at any stages of our lives when we make mistakes or commit the sins that we need to be held accountable for. We've made the decision, I am God and God is not. And he will change for me or he will never hold me accountable at the same time. This is why we need a savior. This is why the hero of the story isn't Abraham. It isn't Matthew. It isn't even Peter or Paul or Moses. They're human beings. The hero of the story is God. And if we continue down the path of making ourselves the hero of the story, All that's going to be left culturally are villains. And that is the path we are walking down right now. And then you saw ample examples of that over the weekend. Let's get some final thoughts and find out what we learned here today. Brought to you by BrickHouse Nutrition. Try their brand new supplement. Well, it's not brand new. It's just brand new for us to be talking about it here on the show from dawn till dusk. It is an all natural energy supplement. Guys, don't, don't take, don't go to the store and grab that thing with 75 ingredients, 74 of which you can't pronounce. All right. And they promise, what is it? You know, seven hours, three hours. You know, don't put any of those chemicals in your body. You don't have to do that. All right. You can put natural supplements in your body that take that God given natural ability and kick it into high gear. From dawn till dusk, we'll do that for you. I've used it as well, um, and I, I've really had great results with it. I would highly recommend it. All right, and No jitters or anything of that nature. Um, I would highly recommend it. That's why we're proud to talk about it here on the Steve Day Show. So dawn to dusk, clean energy and focus. And, it, and hey, when they tell you on the label, don't take this within six hours of your plan to go to bed, they mean it. I made that mistake once. Don't take it within six hours of your plan to go to bed. I did get a lot of work done that night, though. I just uh, I just didn't get a lot of sleep. All right. So uh go to go to the website right now, brickhousesteve.com. Brickhouse Nutrition remember is a team of physicians, so they're looking out for you. They're looking to do this the natural way. All right. BrickhouseSteve.com, brickhousesteve.com. Get your bottle of this groundbreaking formula right now. And if you use my name as a promo code Steve, when you go to brickhousesteve.com, you'll get 15%. Off of your first order. All right, gentlemen. What do we learn here today? Our final thoughts. Todd, I'll start with you.
4: Well, I'd like to echo, if I could, what you uh, just said. Uh, it's it's not just about. Cursing the darkness. My goodness, that's shooting fish in a barrel these days. That's that, that that's as uh, self-apparent in many ways as ever before. Uh, w- what we really need to be concerned with is the quality of the candle we light thereafter. We've talked about this before regarding uh, the March uh, for Life. My daughter, for the first time, who's 15, it's very aware of it and said, you know, next year would be neat to go on that. Um, my duty as a father would be to send her— uh understanding exactly why she's going there she's it's not a field trip there there i would like to take my family on a dc field trip sometime this would not be that this is you are going as part of a prayer army marching against the forces of death uh we need to light and many people go there i'm certain of it still going that for that reasons. Um, but this is now year what, Steve, of the March for Life? We've talked about this before. You put this year thing 46. On, you put you put this thing on autopilot and it's easy to forget why you're there. Never forget. Aaron?
2: Yeah, the choice we have today, um, again, is uh, turning and cho- uh, choosing to stand with uh, Jesus or stand with the world. And as the old hymn uh, says, it's actually freeing Uh, The things of the world will grow strangely dim. We have freedom from sin when we make the choice in the right direction. See you tomorrow, John 317.
0: This is Steve Dace.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network.